Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. of another week and wherever you are whenever you are and however you happen to be listening we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to dlc especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run remember it's not how far it's not how fast it's how frequent get out there do what you can we believe in you and we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week brooklinen and squarespace squarespace they're bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games and their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles and also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i am joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy who joins me this week in voicing our solidarity with the brave and inspiring students of stoneman douglas high school christian spicer hello christian Ah, it's an, uh, another tough week, man. Uh, yeah, too many, yeah, too many. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Anyway, we will, uh, you know, obviously um, have those things in our minds and hearts. And we have some interesting topics uh, uh, kind of, you know, uh, involving video games and uh, government and, and things that are all happening right now. And it's going to be an interesting week and we got a lot of really positive fun stuff to talk about too. Great games we've been playing. So we will push through, but again, you know, a tough week, uh, another tough week here in America. Uh, but we have an awesome guest. This is a guest that many of you have, have requested. Uh, I always put out the, um, the call for names of, of new guests every, every year at the beginning of the year. And we got a lot of people asking for this When You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week I'm excited because DLC stands for detonate large combustion because from giant bomb, we have associate producer, Abby Russell joining us. Hi, Abby. Hello. Wow. What an intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we're excited to have you. Um, Let's jump right in to uh, wait, the way wait, we start the show. Real quick, every- because when sure. people have been suggesting Abby, they've wanted Abby and I to chit chat just a little comedy, just because I know Abby. Oh, Abby's boy. in the scene. Uh, wow! Yes, y- and. yes, and, and, and so I don't <laughs> want our listeners to think, "Hey, you guys fi- got Abby on the show finally," and then Christian didn't even ask her anything about. Uh, you perform mostly at the Pit, is that correct? In New York. Uh, no, the Mag- magnet. Oh, sorry. Oh, brush, brush my That's mouth. Okay. Out. That's it's okay. That's okay. Dirty water. Um, uh, you love it, right? 
I do. I do. It's like the dorkiest thing I do. Uh, and I do it every day. It's, it's embarrassing, but I absolutely love it. Is it, it yes. still dorky though? Because I feel like so, um, uh, I've, I used to go out to New York fairly regularly and then Boris Hyken still runs, um, a show. I started out here, improv versus stand up that is still monthly out there at usually at UCB East. And, um, I, I don't know. I feel like at least here in LA and, and Jeff can attest to this also. It's not dorky, right? Like that's like saying we like comic books and video games, so we're dorky. Like everybody's doing it, yeah. and it's huge. I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. It's just one of those things that people take very seriously. Uh, when at the end of the day, it's a bunch of adults like playing pretend. <laughs> sure. uh, so I just try not to take it too seriously. I guess. Yeah, but you guys pack the place and sell out shows, so you can't. It's not some little, some small little dorky thing that no one's paying attention to. I guess I guess this is true. You've persuaded me. It's the coolest thing I do. You're right. <laughs> we are we're a show all about adults playing pretend. I mean, that's that's the only thing we talk about. <laughs> I guess that's true. So, uh, welcome to, you know, I always say a moment enjoyed is not wasted. That's my mantra. So, you know. Wow. L- let the adults play pretend a little bit. Okay. I like it. Good attitude. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get into the show and start with story of the week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of video games this week. And you can always submit stories using our subreddit. Visit that over at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. A cool community of folks hanging out, talking about the show, submitting stories, talking about video games in general. Abby, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. Uh, what would you consider oh, to wow. be <laughs> your story of the week? Um, I don't know if it's the story of the week, but it's the one I'm potentially most interested, which is the Sea of Thieves adding microtransactions. I'm curious about that one. Yes. Yeah, so famously Sea of Thieves, which is coming uh, in March, uh, Xbox One X, excuse me, Xbox One exclusive, See, I, I, I meant to say exclusive, and then I said X. Oh, it's very confusing, this this nomenclature. Uh, but it's coming to PC as well. Um, but it is an Xbox exclusive, the big pirate <laughs> it's, it's community game. It's an Xbox exclusive, not exclusive on the X. On it's consoles. a console exclusive that's coming to the PC. It's a game by Mike. Yeah. You can also get it from Game Pass. <laughs> that's where we are, right? Uh, anyway... They have been very vocal to say there will be no loot boxes, no loot boxes, which everybody was like, oh, awesome. So he means no microtransactions. And they're like, yes, no microtransactions until three months after we launch. And then microtransactions are coming to the game. So that was the announcement uh, this week. Microtransactions, they will not be in the form of random loot box uh, stuff. It will be direct buy. And they have explained that it will be all – uh, they call it emotional content rather than um, game progression or power uh, in the game content. So they're talking about stuff like pets that'll, you know, a, a parrot for your shoulder if you're a pirate or a dog or something uh, and other stylistic cosmetic type items. Uh, but it's not happening when the game launches. They're waiting for three months after the launch. So Abby, how do you feel about this? Do you think this is good or bad or, or an interesting plan on their part? Um, I mean, I think I'm curious to see sort of uh, how it's implemented once I actually play it more. Um, as far as, as – if it's only cosmetics, I think I would be fine with that. Like that seems like a 
kind of palatable way to do microtransactions in a game as far as like, this isn't actually going to help you at all. It's not going to boost your performance. It's just like, here, pay $3 and have like a parrot that sits on your shoulder. I think I would be fine with that. Um, it is curious to do it three months after launch. I'm not sure if that's to sort of make for an even playing field for everyone, but assuming it is all cosmetics, I'm not sure what, what it would all change. But I'm I'm curious about it. I'm hesitantly curious, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I am too. A few points I want to highlight here. One of the interesting notes from this story, which was, uh, I believe, uh, in IGN, yeah, IGN story, um, that they had said that the dev team at Sea of Thieves said that, uh, you know, why are we doing microtransactions? And they say, well, this is what it takes to make a game that will continue to run and add content over time. Uh, it says my goal and everyone else's goal here is to have as many people as possible working on this and just keep giving people reasons to return reasons to have fun. We have to run that like a business. You need revenue coming in. Uh, I think that's an interesting point. And the other thing that I would note, and I would love to get your guys's opinion on is this whole three months after launch thing. Interestingly feels like they are sort of limiting microtransactions to the people that stick with the game, people, the diehards or the, the more invested people in, in the experience anyway, because the people that maybe, maybe like me, <laughs> hopefully not, but I tend to be, you know, newest, latest, best, uh, hopping from one thing to another, uh, you play things for a couple of months and then move on. This won't even affect you. You know, if, if you're always, you know, just jumping in when a new game launches and and don't have staying power with it. But the people that really do dig the game, then they'll be able to continue to add cosmetic and, you know, bling out their characters, but it'll cost them money. So what do you think about those two? I know they're very disparate points, but what do you think about those two points, Abby? Uh, I mean, I think that makes sense, right? Like, I think that's why you have these microtransactions. It's for these games that people buy once and then they play for a year or more potentially. And it's like, the company needs to make money off of it. And I think that's a totally fair way to do it. Uh, so I think I guess I appreciate the three month wait to sort of be like, hey, this is to make the money back, uh, I guess, for those folks who are playing it long term. Like you see that in a ton of games, you know, like I think GTA five still s- sells stuff for their online modes. You know, it's yeah, I don't know. I-, I-, I totally see the reasoning for it. And I think if that's kind of the thing that's going to sustain these sort of huge online MMO type games that uh, last for a long time. I think that's totally fair, I guess. Yeah. um, It's, it's interesting. Uh, Christian, how do you feel about this? I think the three month window is, is longer than the point I'm going to make perhaps, but I think part of it, you've seen games coming out. I think Forza did this um, where the game comes out without the microtransactions in it and then reviews for the game come out. And then after the review cycle is over, they companies, developers add all of this crappy stuff to the game. Uh, so you're taking the cynical approach to this and say it's just a way to dodge a, I'm, I'm, a knock on I'm your not review? saying it's just a way to do that. I'm saying it is a way to do that. Uh, it is also a way to roll out the game and make sure your servers are stable and you have everything else lined up. I know they've done a lot of betas that seem like actual betas um, before you start rolling in additional content into the game. It's also a way, like you talked about, to have your hardcore in so you, th- you know who's going to be invested in the game that then is going to spend money in it. What I think is interesting about it, though, is 
you know, this idea that doesn't affect progression, it's just cosmetic, um, you know, maybe a pet here or there or whatever, but it's not going to change how you explore or progress through the game. I'm so curious, and I don't think one's been leaked, and I'm not, I'm not saying like, hey, Russians, leak her emails. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying right now. But I'm very curious what the business plan is for this type of microtransaction. Because I feel like, you know, they include it in the game and then they are forward facing saying, you, you don't need it. Don't, don't buy it. It's dumb. Like this doesn't change the game. You don't, it's totally superfluous. No one needs this stuff, but clearly they're expecting a lot of people to buy this stuff because that's how they say they're going to fund the continued development of the game. So I'm, I, I think you're misrepresenting what they're saying, but, but I'll let you well, finish I'm just your curious point. how, what their plan is to market this to me and how they plan to persuade consumers to buy this stuff. Is it pop-up ads or is it just other people having it in the game or is it matching you with people that have this really cool stuff or is it just going to be general availability and you might peruse the store because you've been playing a game for six months and you want to change your pirate. Like all of that stuff can still impact the playability of a game that is above and beyond loot boxes or if every time I load the game, I get a full page ad for get your parrot. Like um, I think it was Forza Horizon 3 when you launched that game, there was like a full, you couldn't skip it video ad for the DLC expansion that you had to watch for the first whatever it was. And that's super annoying. So I'm just curious to see how this stuff continues to evolve. Yeah, I mean, I think I think ultimately it's fashion, right? They're talking about it being emotional value, not mechanical value. So it's not doesn't affect how the game is played. It affects how you feel while you're playing it. And of this course, DLC punches you in the I, face. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, I think I, I think that's with any piece of fashion, right? It's, it doesn't matter what kind of jeans I have; they're all going to cover my legs, right? It doesn't matter what if I have shoes on my feet. The function of shoes is to prevent my feet from getting tore up on the ground. But there's a whole bunch of different kinds of shoes that I could get that are range in all kinds of different price points. And it's all about how I feel emotionally about those shoes or pants. And I think that's happening in the digital realm as well. And for some reason, it feels more nefarious in the no, digital I'm realm. No, I'm saying how it's presented to the gamer has potential to it, – it's it's still new and, and unexplored territory. And how it is packaged and sold to you uh, has potential to be abusive and abrasive, just the same way that regular advertising and marketing does. Like when we watch Minority Report, whenever that was 20 years ago and it came out and all those ads were jumping out in Tom Cruise's eyes as he walked through and it's like, come into the gap. And we were like, ugh. I'm just, every, all marketing ha- has the possibility to be nefarious. I'm curious to see how Rare implements uh, its strategy into Sea of Thieves to get people to spend money on these things. That's all. Abby, are you a person that buys cosmetic items in games? Um, no, not generally. No. Um, I wish I was, but actually, no, I don't. I don't wish I was. <laughs> like, there's some cosmetics I'm like, oh, this is cool. But more often than not, I would much rather just grind for it or do some long ass dumb mission and get it than to pay for it. Um, I am curious if it's, if they're all going to be cosmetic. Like, I can't imagine a new skin for my boat after I've like been done playing a game will get me to want to go back and play the game more. Do you know what I, do you know what I mean? Right. Like, I feel like I would want like a new map or a new mission or something. Well, we should say that the sea of thieves team has been very vocal in promising lots of extra content that is not pay. That is free extra content, um, timed events, 
um, uh, smaller new new areas of the game and new items. And they say the first major update is primed to turn the base game's end game into its start game. So they're adding a lot of content post-release that is mechanical, but all of that is planned to be free and funded through all the people that want, you know, parrots and pants and pantaloons and, you know, all that emotional stuff. I like uh, Greedy Raven in the chat said, quote, what do you think of Sea of Thieves DLC? Well, I'm not asking to write the Russians to leak their business plan, but like that's how I answered your question. <laughs> yeah. I'm a real, I'm a real jerk. <laughs> uh, speaking of real jerk, Christian, uh, what is your story? Well, of the I week? just got this email from Russia. I'm clicking on it right now. Um, what I think the most interesting story this week is uh, when I read it, my jaw. I wish I say it hit the floor. It hit the table, but I was close to the table. System shock. (laughs) My jaw was agape. As long as you're very clear on where your jaw was, re things it could knock into. It was like, let's see, if I had to in in feet or what are we talking about? Um, Metric system. (laughs) System shock. Remember that when everybody gave it all their money because there was that awesome trailer and they put it on Kickstarter and they raised over a million dollars. It's on quote hiatus. Uh, the statement uh, from Night, Dive, Night Dive's CEO, Stephen Kick, I put the team on a hiatus while we reassess our path so we, we can return to our vision. We are taking a break but not ending the project. System Shock is going to be completed and all of our promises fulfilled. He also talked about um, they tried to get a publisher involved uh, and get more money to do things that way. And as they raised more money than they originally, originally asked for, People started to want to put more into the game, and I think his words were, ooh, shiny thing over here. Let's try to make that. And they've kind of run out of money and need to refocus uh, what they're doing. But that leaves a lot of people who donated money to this game uh, sitting without a game that was supposed to have come out last year. 21,625 backers, to be exact, uh, who contributed $1.35 million. Oh, that's a lot of people. And it was supposed to be last year, right? It was a late 2017 was the original plan? Uh, summer of 2016 was the Kickstarter campaign, and they had uh, targeted it by end of 2017. I don't think anybody ever expects Kickstarter games to come out when they, when they say they will, but have it to literally go on hiatus is, I think, probably a, a bit jarring for those for those folks. Uh What's your take on this, Christian? Do you think this is a story about the perils of crowdfunding or a a story about the perils of feature creep in video game design? I think those are related and maybe, maybe Abby can, (laughs) can suss it out for me, but I feel like you, you ask for a little bit with your plan and then you get way more and then you're like, Oh, 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 we can do all this. We got all this money. Surely publishers will want, well, maybe we'd polish it up a little more and let's add this. And then all of a sudden, you spent $1.3 million and all you bought was a Tesla or, or something. <laughs> Expensive Tesla. Well, it's the one that's in space is what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you bought a Tesla and then launched it into space. <laughs> Thanks, Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, what's your take on this, Abby? Um, I mean, I feel like games get delayed all the time, uh, not Kickstarter games. Uh, but it does raise some interesting questions as far as like, well, 
the public is paying for this, right? Like how much do you owe them as far as these promises you're making? Is it better to stick to your timeline or is it better to make the game you want to make uh, and kind of make it better than you want to make it considering how much extra money you got for it? I am curious. I've never backed anything on Kickstarter before though. So I don't know as far as like refunds work. Like let's say this thing completely goes under. Are these people getting their money back? Is that even an option? No, wow. It's not. That's it, it would, it would, bananas. The only way it would be an option would be by the goodness and kindness of the of the the company that put the kickstarter up and the only pressure that they have is social pressure is their now their bad name or their name is mud or whatever you know their their uh next kickstarter will be (laughs) will be uh have a you know the scarlet letter on it or whatever there's really no kickstarter is very clear that you're not purchasing anything that you are donating money to this cause in hopes that it gets made. And they you know, in their terms of service are very clear about the fact that this is by no means a guarantee that this will be successful. You are kickstarting a project. You are hoping that these people can, you're giving them seed money to hopefully uh, create something. Um, but I don't think many people think about it that way. And we've certainly talked about a lot of stories like this where customers, uh, get very upset because they expect the thing, they expect it to work like a store and it is not a store. Totally. I also feel like when you hear $1.35 million, like you expect some sort of, I don't know, I guess credibility in that when it's really not anything. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, 1.5, uh, 1.35 million for any of us is like, wow. But for a video game, it's like, that is, we got it. That's a good first week of, uh, you know, getting the game off the ground. But, and they're very honest about that. They said, a lot of their time was spent bringing this project to publishers and trying to get more money so they could finish the game because it's not easy to make a game for a little over a million dollars these days, especially one that had this kind of ambition behind it. And again, I don't know if Christian, if you even recapped what it was, but it's the classic system shock game done as a re- full remaster the same way that or remake the same way that um, the Shadow why of the Colossus one. Why don't you know if I recapped what, what what it was we were on because i tend not to listen to you when you talk <laughs> i don't no, so i don't know if you that. recapped what it was on the show we're doing together while we're talking to each other the truth is i knew very well you didn't recap it but i didn't uh, want to say you. you didn't i didn't want to point out uh how poorly you set up okay. the story thank you honesty <laughs> is the best policy 30 helens agree um i i think uh, the hard part with this one too particularly is how slick their kickstarter presentation was and so you see this thing and it's a team that looks like they know what they're doing and and they had a trailer that looked like oh my gosh this is close to being done and it right wasn't. and it, so it's this i and then they ask for four hundred thousand dollars i don't remember the original ask and then it gets over that and you think oh my gosh they're, they're gonna do it and then the kickstarter pitch you know it's not it doesn't say big and bold we want money so we can go over to 2k and say give us more money like that's not what they're asking for they're saying we want to make this game and you're going to help us do it but and and that's true that they want to make the game and your money is going to help them do it take it to publishers and but so it's like perception and reality and that's the hard part of the disconnect i think when you when you look at something especially something that is such an emotional game for system shock for so many people i mean it is it's the creme de la creme it's the reason why a lot of developers got into developing games. Uh, people in my generation love games still today. It, it brought story and narrative uh, to a style of gameplay that didn't choice. exist before in choice. And it's just, it's, what a game, right? Yeah. 
evidently this is completely unrelated to the uh, System Shock 3 that's being worked on right now. It's a completely different company is doing that. So I'd actually be more excited about that project and hopefully it doesn't run into problems, but evidently seems to be sailing for a, a you know, a completion point at, at someday down the road. Um, so that's good news, I guess. All right. Um, my story of the week, this is not what I wanted to do, but we got to talk about it because it's big and a lot of people suggested it on our, our uh, subreddit. And I think it's going to impact a lot of us. We talked a lot about uh, microtransactions when we talked about Sea of Thieves and mentioned that that game is eschewing loot boxes and uh, very vocally so. We saw a story this week that CD Projekt Red, makers of the Witcher series and the upcoming cyberpunk game, uh, have said cyberpunk will not have loot boxes. We hate loot boxes. And now it, it seems like uh, we're getting the legislature legislature of at least one state involved in potentially limiting how loot boxes will be implemented and maybe uh, limiting the sale of games that use loot boxes. The uh, state house in Hawaii has two bills uh, and there are uh, a couple more in the state Senate in Hawaii. Uh, these were introduced this week um, that suggest that games that use loot boxes should not be sold to players under 21 because that is a form of gambling. And also that games with loot boxes need to clearly indicate the odds of winning various items on their box. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, representative Chris Lee. Uh, he says, um, they're hoping that it'll start in Hawaii and catch on. He says, if enough of the market reacts, the industry will have to respond and change its practices. He says, whistleblowers have revealed that psychologists are employed to create these mechanisms, reiterating that there needs to be an authority to force publishers to disclose their practices. It's kind of what you were referring to a little bit, Christian, when you were talking about a Sea of Thieves. But Abby, I want to go to you first and get your take on this. Do you think... This is something that that is potentially exploitive and needs to be regulated. And do you think this end up maybe being a positive thing for the industry? I mean, uh, I I don't think that the intention behind loot boxes is necessarily exploitative. Like, I think that for the most part, the people who are making loot boxes and putting them in games are targeting an audience that where, you know, putting... 10 or 15 dollars a day into a game is really like absolutely nothing for them that's no money for them because there's absolutely an audience that doesn't care about that money uh that's why the mobile you know gaming industry is so big but i am curious uh how this is gonna affect games after this i don't know i i'm sort of wonder if it's gonna be a night trap thing where all the people in the government won't really know what games are like that's what i'm most right. curious about it's <laughs> like how much are, how well informed are they about everything for them to really be able to kind of come to a decision on it that's well-informed and will have a positive impact versus just a knee-jerk reaction to sort of people being upset over something, people they don't understand being upset over something, if that makes sense. Yeah, you get that, you know, you have this vision of someone standing behind a podium going, I don't want gambling in my Nintendos. You know, it's <laughs> like you just don't understand what video games are and how it works. One hopes that this was written from at least a place of of some knowledge, but I, I totally get that that fear of this weird 
it's akin to, you know, the nineties and the outrage over lyrics in rap albums. And it's like, we have to stop this youth. It's like, have you listened to any of the albums? No, but I know it's garbage. Um, so one hopes that that isn't what it is, but from our perspective, as people who do know how this works, uh, Christian, it seems to me, you do have some concerns about the way these are implemented and specifically the fact that this representative points out that psychologists are used and it really is about trying to find the way to tweak the human brain so that it buys more stuff. Yeah. And it's not, um, limited to Hawaii, uh, Senator Maggie. <laughs> you should see the games in Hawaii. There's only <laughs> all loot boxes all the time in Hawaii. You go to Hawaii and it's just, you get lays and luau's and loot boxes. It's the that's three when you show up. You, yeah. That's how it is. You off the plane to give you a box. <laughs> What's inside. And usually just a dirty t-shirt. Um, Nothing. Good. Oh, I already have one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I came but you can in. Sell it on Steam for a thousand dollars. U.S. Senator Maggie Hansen Hassan, a Democrat from New Hampshire, sent a letter to the ESRB president asking them to update their rating systems, taking into account loot boxes. So there, there is uh, some talk in the federal government as well about this kind of stuff, and I'm not. I don't know. I'm not the person that's always, oh, government regulation, that's going to be bad. I- I'm in favor of a lot of government <laughs> regulation. I'm I'm okay with it. You don't want it done badly, but I'm okay with there being warnings on cigarettes. I'm okay with there being taxes on gasoline to discourage uh, use of that to fund other ventures that uh, help with transportation problems. I'm okay um, with the perceived threat of government interaction with video games before that led to the ESRB putting ratings on games that wouldn't have happened, in my opinion, but for the government saying, if you don't do something, we will do something. You better handle this. Same thing happened with film. I'm okay with movies having ratings, um, even though there's a you could there's a, you could go on and on and on like that. Uh, the, there's a, a great NPR. I think it was um, what are the, what's that? Freakonomics. I don't know. There's a, there was a show where I heard that they listed like there's there's so many regulations that we don't even know about and totally take for granted that you wouldn't think about. But regulation in and of itself isn't bad. Like you want to know your meat is safe. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm OK with it. I understand the gut reaction, especially as Americans. You know, we were built on this idea of we want representation. We've gov- no taxation. Our government needs to respond to us, not them dominating whatever telling whatever this interaction we get to keep our guns so that we can fight back if they become oppressive and tyrannical I, I understand all of that um but i do think there is a place for it and i and i do think with video games um uh, deceptive practices i would like to see i would like to have this conversation continue and i don't know if government regulation is the best possible solution but hopefully when people start talking about it in that way the conversation will continue and we can find what is or is not right. And it's not just companies saying, this is okay. Look, we're, I'm Activision. I got this. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, right. So we'll see. I think this is the beginning of the conversation. And, and um, you know, I, I, res- <laughs> I reserve the right a year from now to be like, okay, so my, my wife just got taken away because of uh, loot box gambling <laughs> and government regulation. <laughs> I regret everything I said on DLC a year ago. Um, but I, I don't think it'll get to that. And and I do think that there is a problem with um, with a lot of these practices and games and and how they look to exploit um, consumer practices 
is the best way I can put it. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately it's, it's difficult to have this conversation without it being a referendum on regulation in general. Uh, people kind of get very prickly about that topic and, and how much the government is involved in things. And I get that you want the free market to, uh, have the ability to react on its own to a lot of this, but it certainly does seem like we ha- are at a point where the data that we have to be able to employ <laughs> to <laughs> sway purchasing decisions outstrips our ability to deal with it. <laughs> like people don't even know they're being manipulated at a certain point. And um, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't particularly have a problem with loot boxes per se, but I do understand if we as a as a society say, hey, gambling is wrong, it's not that far away from it. So I agree. I think the conversation needs to continue. It's a conversation we've had here on the show many, many times. And it sounds like none of this is going away. If if this is the way bills are being presented in, you know, in smaller states like Hawaii, I think like the representative himself said, it could cause a sea change that has ripple effects to, uh, you know, the rest of the the country. So I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 part of me, the Pollyanna part of me says, maybe this does force a positive change on the industry. And this, this reliance on the question mark uh, purchase uh, maybe is unhealthy and we can get back to just selling people things they want instead of selling them a chance at things they want because the chance itself has this weird psychological draw, right? So why don't you just make stuff that we want and maybe that'll get people back to making better stuff. We want more rather than just relying but on we, the question mark as the selling want point. The chance, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying of it too, right? Is, is it's like, is it as fun to spend a hundred dollars and get the thing that costs a hundred dollars or is it fun to spend $20 and end up winning the thing. You got it. And then you get to show it off to your friend because not everybody gets it. It's, 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 expensive. I know, man. And yeah, <sighs> I hear you. It's, I do enjoy in heroes of the storm, uh, opening a new loot box. I have never purchased a loot box. I get them by playing, but I do enjoy that rumble and then an explosion and then it pops out and oh my God, I got a legendary or oh, I got a bunch of crappy grays and I'm just going to pay to re-roll pay my virtual bucks that I earn by playing, but I get it. I understand that it, it tickles a very, very interesting part of my brain that wants to do right that. Now some of our listeners are upset that they got the loot box that had the episode where we talked about loot boxes again. I know, right? <laughs> no kidding. All right. Well, well put, let's move on. But I, before we do, I do need to say that, uh, the, another piece of news happened this week. Spyro the Dragon Remaster Trilogy is coming officially? from the same. Yes, officially. Uh, it's coming from the same people that made the uh, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, which is exactly what I predicted in our predictions episode, Christian. So, Spystradama Zero, Kanata. I don't have a good one for myself, uh, but predict nada. I see the future. Yeah. Predict nada. There you go. There you go. Vicarious visions doing it. And I, pre- I said it anyway. So I just want to last year, you got this uh, overwhelming reputation of being the guy that nails all the predictions. And I just want to mention, 
as of February, I am the guy this time. Hey, I stopped listening for the last 10 seconds, so let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Hey, I want to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. You've heard me talking about Squarespace. Ah, I love Squarespace. Everybody needs a website. Everybody has to be online for something. And Squarespace is the best place to make anything online. Truly, it has the tools and the tool set that makes it easy and great looking and versatile enough for you to create whatever you might need online, be it just a a blog or a portfolio. I say just, but those are cool things. Uh, Or as robust as like a storefront, Squarespace has your back. Do you have a physical or online business that you need to promote? Is there an announcement of an event or a special project that you have? Is any cool idea you have, you can turn it into a website and you can do it easily. You don't have to have any programming experience. It's all drag and drop. What you see is what you get. It's the easiest way to do it. You start with a beautiful template that they have created by designers, really, really nice stuff. And then you just start messing with it, changing it around, make it your own. It doesn't have to look like any other website you've seen. You can really make it your own so quickly and so easily. There's never anything to upgrade or patch. And they have 24-7 award-winning customer support in case you run into any problems. There's free and secure hosting. There's built-in search engine optimization. Anything you could possibly hope for in building a website, Squarespace has your back. You can make it yourself and you can make it stand out. So the cool news is because you listen to this show, we're going to give you 10% off. All you got to do is go to squarespace.com and then use the promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. When you check out, it's all one word. It'll give you 10% off and it'll let them know it's a good idea to keep sponsoring this show, which we really appreciate. So check it out, squarespace.com and that promo code Jeff sent me. Time to talk about the games we've been playing this week. Uh, Abby, what is on your mm-hmm. playlist? Well, first of all, I would just like to say I really appreciate all of y'all's transition music. It's yeah. all very good. Um, well, we should shout out. That's Sean Madigan who did that one. Um, Patrick wow. Ellen Zero Star also contributors. They are awesome. I always mention them at the end of the episode, but it's great that you appreciate that. I. It's really the only reason I do a podcast is to be able to have yes. a <laughs> That and to advertise for Squarespace are the only reasons to do a podcast. And Brooklyn and just wait for that one. Yes, can't before wait. Before our show, believe it or not, Squarespace had never advertised on a podcast before. So, yeah. I, Wow, I do not believe it. <laughs> uh, great. Anyway, I have been playing. I just got everybody's golf today and I love it. I can't stop playing. It's so fun. Oh, that's great. Uh, everybody's golf is... I was thinking, I'm thinking golf story. You know, everybody's golf is like a legit just golf game, right? Yes. It's like a golf game, but kind of silly. Like it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is fun. Uh, like I made a character and she looks just like me, but she has full mutton chops and she acts like an old lady. Um, <laughs> and it's so much fun. <laughs> so you've gotten to the character creation stage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I've done that for about five hours and played nothing else. Uh, no. Like- uh, yeah. Awesome. So are you a fan of golf in real life or is it just the game is so fun it makes you like golf? Um, I do like golf. I don't actively seek out golf. My dad was big on golf, so I watched a ton of golf growing up. I actually find it pretty entertaining to watch. Um, and I would go to the driving range with him every weekend when I lived near him. Um, so I do miss actually golfing. Uh, but I do think it's probably fun for folks who don't 
enjoy golf all the same. Like it's it's pretty fun. I'm enjoying it a lot. So it's got a, a tongue in cheek kind of silly uh, aesthetic, um, but is the game of golf more serious? Is it a is it you know really competitive? Are you are you kind of playing it in a silly way, or is it like you know cutthroat a, a um, simulation of it- golf? It has a mix of both. So you can play it more competitive. You can play it with both real people and computers. Um, and some of it is just like very serious golf, very challenging. Uh, you have to worry about like normal video game golf stuff as far as like wind speed and ball spin and all that good stuff. Uh, but you can also play sort of more fun or unusual modes uh, where there's like a tornado in the golf hole. So if you get it close to it, it'll go in automatically or like bigger holes or smaller holes. Um, or like, oh, we're going to do like a speed run where how many points can you get in like a very short amount of time? And just you're running from hole to hole, basically. That sounds this fun. Was, uh, it's hot shots, Jeff, if you don't know everybody's. Oh, the old yes. Sony yeah. uh, property, right? The old Sony. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is the first one. I think the first U.S. one called Everybody's Golf. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's yeah, been I called so. in Japan forever, I think. Um, but yeah, they're so fun. Have this one. I haven't played everybody. This newest one. It, has it changed the kind of core mechanic at all? I know it's probably like number four or five they kind of introduced. Is that when splicing came in and all? It, it, you could put spin on it. Has anything changed or is it still kind of? Um, I actually haven't played any of the other ones. I always wanted to play the one for my Vita, but just never got around to it. So I really can't speak to that much, unfortunately. But I'm enjoying this version. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I, I follow you on Twitter and I saw that you had mentioned that you actually transitioned to this from Monster Hunter. And you're yes. happier. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh-oh. I tried Monster Hunter. I, I really tried to give it uh, a good chance. I tried to be open-minded. And every time I played that, I, at first I was like, okay, this could be fun. I have a cat. Like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> let's go fight stuff. And then I just felt like the game pushed back at like every step of the way. And I finally came to terms with the fact that I am not a monster hunter. Uh, you're and you know what? Of, I'm okay with that. You're a monster lover, not a fighter. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so did you, did you try, I'm, I'm not going to try to talk you into liking monster hunter, but did you, did you try a variety of weapons and you just tried never, uh, no, that's the one thing I didn't do, which is probably why I didn't enjoy it. Um, but I did what everybody said. I tried a bunch of weapons. I read all the guides. I played with other people or at least tried to, when the cutscenes were getting in the way, <laughs> I tried my, I tried my best. I promise you, I wish it worked out. Everyone's playing it. Everyone loves it. I don't, I don't understand what I don't see. No, but. it's fine. It's fine. It's it's good. Is you it know? though? I feel like it's not. Everyone loves this game. No, I think uh, I think having the clarity of knowing it's not for you is a beautiful thing. It's how I am with Celeste. Like mm, Christian yeah. and a bunch of people I know are all into Celeste, and I'm like, I just know that's not my game, and I'm fine. Yeah, that's totally fair. I am not usually a big fan of that genre, uh, but I really enjoyed Celeste, but. I I sort of talked about this on the Beast cast, which is a podcast I'm on for work. But the more I play of Celeste, the less I like it. I feel like the mechanics uh, kind of great on me, where I just want the sort of original kind of easy running around fun stuff. Have you turned on assist mode? I have not, but I don't know. Yeah, feel free to bounce I, off of it. I but, uh, yeah, no, I should. It's more like, it's less that it's like, oh, it's too challenging. It's more like, oh, it's too frustrating in a way where I felt like the beginning before, like the wind mechanic uh, was not 
as frustrating. Like I felt like, okay, I know what I'm doing wrong and I'm getting progressively better. Whereas the other stuff, I feel like, oh, there's like a cycle here as far as like, I have to wait for the wind to be at the right angle or that like red blob stuff to move (laughs) properly. And it's like, I don't have the patience for that in the same way. It's hilarious to me that Christian, when, when I was like, Hey, have you tried this in the game that I like? You were like, Oh, ha ha ha, Jeff. And then when she said, you know, you're like, you're like, Oh, wait, have you tried the assist mode? Because that's it. <laughs> hey, uh, shut your face, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> wow, he raises a good point. He does about re, re my face. Yeah. yeah very, very good point. As long as, I mean, as long as you've played enough Monster Hunter and Celeste to stomach a 10 hour conversation about why they should be ranked number eight versus number nine game of the year. Uh, <laughs> yeah right that's yes a, unfortunately that's, i have i, I right. kid because i love i kid because i love mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so i have another friend uh no who, uh, that's not me yes i do <laughs> shocking i know uh friend of the show actually uh, okay that makes more sense <laughs> raj yeah uh, a f- friend of ours he texted me and he was like jeff you have to play florence you're gonna love it might be my game of the year right now you have to play florence and of course I haven't yet, uh, but you have, Abby. I have. It's true. I have. And I will say, if anybody is like, I don't know if I should play it, it's about an hour long. It's a short experience. I think I played it on the train to work. So it's pretty easy to find time to play it. But yes, I have played it, and it's as good as they say. It's very, very good. It, it, tell me tell me why. I mean, is, are, is there a way to talk about that game without it being spoilery? Because I know it's very uh, yeah, short, totally. and it's very, uh, very much a story, right? It is. It's absolutely very narrative-driven. It's an iOS game, or I guess a phone game. <clears throat> I'm sure it's on uh, other stuff than the iPhone. But it's it's a story game, totally. But it, it it's really simplistic in how it tells the story, but it tells a very deep story, which I really appreciate. And it tells a story that's not totally cliched which i also appreciated um like i'm fine with the cliched story here and there but it's refreshing to find a story that surprises you you know um i also i don't know it just it really uses the repetition of certain simple mechanics really smartly and kind of subverting that repetition to uh further tell the story and kind of further give an emotional impact to that story i definitely definitely recommend it at the very least it's an interesting experience it's short enough that it's like sure like maybe it's not the most groundbreaking thing for you, but I do think it will definitely touch a lot of people. And I think it's worth checking out at the very least. Again, that's called Florence and Florence, yes. On iOS and I think Android too, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it's like four bucks, I think. Yeah, I think I paid three dollars for it, which yeah. was totally worth it. I don't know. I love a good mobile game. I'm more than happy to pay a three dollar mobile game for like, you know, a short experience. I've played so many good mobile games, I I love them. Yeah. Uh, and then the other game that I see here on your playlist uh, is one I'm not familiar with, Speed Dating for Ghosts. Yes. Um, this is a game the dev actually reached out to me on Twitter, um, and I played it, and it's super fun. It's I will say, I mean, it's it's a dating sim. It's a visual novel, um, and it has a really simplistic kind of aesthetic style, which I really like. Uh, but it just you're a ghost, and you're speed dating with a bunch of other ghosts. Um, and you kind of learn a little bit about their life before death. And uh, you kind of go on these dates with them if you'd like, or you just speed date and you're like, oh, we're not compatible. I don't know if I will. Uh, but you go on these dates with them and you sort of experience life after death for them. Uh, like there was one ghost I went on a date with and she haunts um, an old folks home and she would kind of help out 
the home in, in a way of like, oh, I'm going to make sure like I'm going to ring for a nurse if like somebody needs a nurse and they can't do it. Or like I am going to be by someone's side as they enter death. Oh, uh, it's a heavy date. It's it is. <laughs> yes. Some dates are definitely very heavy. Uh, some are much more lighthearted. Uh, it is a game about death, so it obviously acknowledges death. I think it's a death positive game, um, but it's really it's a really touching story. I do wish some of the dates uh, were a little bit longer. I think just had a little more substance. Like I like the dates, I like the stories, I really like the characters a lot. And I think I just wanted more of it. I found when I would replay certain dates, um, I it would be really easy for me to get like the proper outcome uh, where I want to sort of see the other branching paths, and I find that there maybe aren't a ton of them. Uh, but all in all, I really recommend it. I, I've been having a lot of fun with it. And I think it's another good sort of story game, a very a good like character driven game. How's the sorry, how's the writing in it? I feel like for me, that's where these games live and die. Totally. Uh, I think the writing's very good. I think it does a good job of uh, having, you know, it's hard to get dialogue right, especially with a, a bunch of different characters. And I think for the most part, it nails it. Um I think it's really charming at the very least. But all in all, I really like the writing. I really like the characters, and I think the characters are what make a game like that. Um, but yeah, I really like it. And again, that's called Speed Dating for Ghosts. Uh, Speed Dating for Ghosts. I believe it's on Steam. Steam. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Christian, what is on your playlist? Nothing too new. Um, it's the same, same stuff I've been talking about. Uh, things I want to highlight, though, for this week's show. I was playing PUBG on Xbox, and... Um, finished third by drowning i i drowned myself (laughs) because i couldn't figure out how to swim up Uh on console you really uh logging those hours on PUBG, huh you're (laughs) in that pro level uh can't figure out how to swim (laughs) Uh, i am not i'm not pro on console but i have i got third place because i'm awesome i don't know how to swim uh swimming is my kryptonite i found one person the way the circle was coming down it was getting tight not super tight because everybody was it was a hectic game killing and being killed and there was a person on a boat that was looking another way and i'm like i'm gonna swim out into this boat and i'm gonna i'm just gonna get in the boat and and then it's just gonna be us in the boat you can't (laughs) attack each other when you're in the boat uh, and I got right, right under the boat and I was like, now time to swim up and get him. And I, I was like, how do I, <laughs> I can't swim up. <laughs> and I, I Googled how to do it and I couldn't figure it out in time. And I drowned under the boat. <laughs> were you not able to swim up because you were under the boat? <laughs> no. I don't understand how I can't go to the surface of the water. <laughs> no, I, I was next to the boat. I, I, well, I believe I was not directly under the boat. <laughs> I, I could not figure it out. It was uh, hilarious and panic-inducing at the same time. Um, it's funny because when you started the story, I thought it was going to be another like Christian just talking about how awesome he is at PUBG, and boy, did that take a turn. <laughs> it took a it took a dive. <laughs> it did. Um, and then I've been playing a lot of uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands, 10 titles. Um, that game, it, the plot is still awful, like heavy handed. They swear all, it's just like swearing for this. Like, uh, I'll use not swear words, but pretend, enter your own swear word. It'll be like, come on, nerd face. Let's go nerd up this town like a couple of nerds because everybody that lives here deserves to be nerded. And you're just like, oh, what are you doing? If it was like that, though, I'd play it. 
with the nerd pack. <laughs> like, boy, this game hates nerds. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, they don't hate nerds. They hate a lot of other uh, people. And it also suffers yeah. from this idea of like... Oh, yeah, also begins with an N. Is that what you're saying? Is it that bad? No, no, it is not, oh, okay. it is not oh, that boy. bad. It is... Um, you're, you're coming in and saving Bolivia from its drug problem, basically. Um, and it has issues with the, the narrative, but the moment-to-moment gameplay, again, I will call this not everybody's golf, but this is a golf game in the sense that it's me hanging out with my friends. And the moment-to-moment gameplay is both fun and exhilarating when you want it to be. And you can go in and coordinate, tag different um, characters on the map and strike at the same time and then you know, jump over the fence and take this person down. And it looks beautiful, uh, huge map, no load time, all that stuff that Ubisoft does so great. But it also allows for just fun silliness as you unlock new weapons. And it's it can become jumping out of a helicopter, parachuting down, landing in the middle of a palace, you know, shooting eight grenade launchers all around after you've marked every the other person in the helicopter has marked everybody and then you jump on a boat and right away and you do it so quickly that you're at the next objective before it loads up that you successfully completed the last objective like just fun and mayhem to be had um so if you skipped it last year it's very cheap right now and this will probably be the last time i recommend it as the year more and more games come out but uh in these slow periods i find myself going back to it i'm really really having fun with wildlands and they, they keep in adding tons of new content there's like a huge thing this week about uh, new characters and all kinds of craziness they add and they did the predator thing they recently did the predator th- ubisoft is really committing to this it seems fewer yeah. games more content they just started rainbow six siege year three the dev during that the finals i believe of that today said there will not be a sequel they really do plan on making siege a 10-year game um, by continuing to add content it's it's really interesting to see and uh if you skipped either of those games they are certainly still supported and the mechanics are sound despite some narrative or some tone problems they might otherwise have uh would you say wildlands is uh only good if you're playing with other people or do you still have fun playing solo i have fun solo also but it's it's that i have 20 minutes i'm going to sit down and pop off a mission or, or go upgrade my guns get a rocket launcher so that when i'm playing with friends we can be silly it's the, the moment right. to moment gameplay and gunplay and the way you can be stealthy if you want to be it's fun and satisfying just push x to skip through the narrative which stinks because the cutscenes are really well produced. It has that, I think it was Splinter Cell conviction or what, you know, like very. You want to hear about how they're going to nerd up some nerds. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Really well done. And people clearly worked hard on it. I just think it it's a little tone deaf at times. Mm-hmm. By at times, I mean all of the nerding time. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and do you want to talk about Celeste? No, I haven't beat it yet. I love it. I love it. I have not. I, Every week. I haven't, uh, I haven't beat it yet, guys. I have not beat it. That's right. Yeah. That's it's right. so good, though. And uh, Abby is right for passing on monster hunter but so wrong for passing on <laughs> i'm not passing on it i'm in the win section i haven't given up yet i've just almost given up okay great yeah <laughs> that game nerds up some nerds it does i will say celeste is a game that i i'm like okay let's get back into it and then i get sort of stuck on a thing that i'm just annoyed with and then i'll put it down for a day or two and then get back into it but i'm just not playing for as long as i was in the beginning i'm not as sort of resilient with it if that makes sense yeah no totally the game's a total mother nerder. <laughs> exactly. Man, I've unleashed Jeff with these. <laughs> um, my playlist, uh, chiefly, it consists of uh, Crossing Souls. Have you played this, Abby? 
I have not. Uh, I know it's sort of like an 80s nostalgia game, correct? Yeah, it's basically Stranger Things the game. Um, okay. it, it is uh, Devolver Digital. It's a throwback in every conceivable sense. It feels like an 80s game that was made in the 80s. It's about – it's set in the 80s about a bunch of kids. I mean it has got every 80s cliche. It's got tons of 80s movie references. Is that fun or does it feel like it's pandering at all? It's fun. It's fun. Okay, that's uh, good. But it's kind of – I wish there was more meat on the bone than just the nostalgia because the nostalgia is is delightful. Um, and it's it's very much on the nose. Like you walk into this house very early in the game and there's a blonde girl sitting in front of a TV with that's all fuzzy. And she's like, they're here. And you, you talk to her and she's like, I met my parents are here. They're in the other room. You know, it's like, uh, okay, well, that's – not a great joke. Um, and <laughs> most of the game is like that. Like it is a story game. It is an, a, an adventure game in the classic sort of, you know, Sierra style adventure game. It's got a pixel art style that looks very eighties done very well. I think a very, very clever and fun and detailed, uh, world. It's sort of that it's got that, um, sort of cutout look like when you walk into a room you see all the other rooms as cutouts you know you can see into them even though you're not inside them i like it i like how it looks i like how it plays it's got some action stuff but everything is very simplistic it's very um what's the action is it like a, a brawler or what what kind of combat are we getting into yeah a little brawl it's more like um some people have compared it to the old the first zelda um where you know you're like you're running around and you stick your sword out uh, ahead of you or you stick your sword out below you or to the right or to the left of you and you're you know swiping at things kind of like that uh and each you you compile this team of kids like stranger things and all of the kids are exactly the same a, stereotypes a group of goonies if you will yes you've got the like you know, the lead boy who is sort of the protagonist. You've got the, the girl that's from an abusive dad who lives on the other side of the tracks. You've got the black kid who's from the inner city. It's like, I mean, it's very much that it's stranger things. When exactly. you guys, stranger things are it, the newest yeah, it. Exactly. When you, it's, when you run out somewhere, does, does someone say, Hey, Jason, stand by me. And then kind of, like, <laughs> I mean, we- I haven't, finished the game so i i wouldn't be surprised i mean the the jokes are very on the nose and i might like that if that's intentional i might like like is it you know yeah. what i mean like they're like we yeah. get it no that's great there's a lot of that i mean there's a lot of uh it it knows that you know that it knows that you know type of thing yeah you know? which I think is fun um i just wish the writing was a little stronger and the game itself was a little more fun I, I, it sounds like I'm negative on it. I'm not. I, I like it. I just – it's a game that relies very much on its story, and the story is interesting and, and kind of fun uh, throwback way. And invariably, inevitably, it gets to the supernatural. Like there's a supernatural thing that you get and that shows you a supernatural – You know, it's very Spielbergian in that way. And, uh, and that's fun. But the writing isn't great. You know, and it really would be so much better if the writing in the game felt like it was TV worthy or movie worthy. You know, it very much feels like an old 80s game, which, let's be honest, weren't written all that well because they were written by programmers. <laughs> and uh, and this I don't know if that's intentional to sort of feel like an old 80s game or if it's just kind of average writing or, you know, just 
fine writing, not great. Um, so it's not a game that I love, but it, it's charming. I, I think that's really the, the, the best adjective. It's, it's very charming. It's charming, especially if you have a fondness for 80s nostalgia. Very charming game, but it doesn't feel like the big, exciting adventure that I would want just because I'm not being pulled through the experience by great writing. I heard great I, action. I hear pass is what I heard you say. I heard you say pass. I think it, like I, I'm I'm hesitant to say it's full pass. Only it would be, only be a pass because there's so many other great things to play right now in the world. But I do think it's it's a fun project, and I think a lot of people can get joy out of it. Uh, it's just not like a must play. Do you think it's maybe a game that's like, oh yeah, it's it's good, and then you never think about it again when you're done playing it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I, I I will say this. I have not finished the game and I probably won't. Um, oh, wow. But <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, you're really selling it. I, yeah, I, mean, I, like, I just, I'm just pulled in so many directions to play so many other things. I was like, I, is it the type of game that when you finish it, you won't think about it again? And Jeff's like, yeah, I would say that. Also, I don't plan on finishing <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, so I will say that I have maybe there's an amazing flourish at the end narratively that I haven't gotten to that makes all the setup even better i don't know um so maybe i'm not giving it i'm giving it short shrift based on its the fact that i haven't seen the completion of the narrative but also it's not pulling me through to the extent where i'm like oh i can't wait to see what happens next whereas i thought this may be controversial to say but i thought that stranger things wasn't great it was fun by it i thought it was fine but But even that show, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. I was I was definitely – I wanted to keep watching new episodes because I wanted to know where, where we were headed. Like what is the upside down? Where are we going? What is all this stuff? And this game does not have that for me. Hmm. The other game I want to talk about uh, really briefly because I've only played a, a real brief um, amount of it. It's called Planetoid Pioneers. Uh, this is another indie game that is completely overwhelming to me. <laughs> I I – played it for like an hour and I was like, I can't play this anymore because it's either this game. And there's so many games like this right now, by the way, it's either like everything you do or just not worth playing it (laughs) because it is, there's so much to it. Uh, It is a game, a 2d action side scrolling platformy kind of thing. They call it a physics vania because it's all based on physics and there's like no limit to what can be done in it. Hmm. Uh, it is uh, both a game and like a platform for a game at the same time. And you play as a person exploring these planets and there's an infinite number of them theoretically. And you have this device that lets you like disassemble anything in the world and break it down to its component parts. And then once you've disassembled an item in the world enough times, you can then create that item at will as long as you have the requisite materials. So you can, so it's kind of got a li- little big planet thing going on where you're like making the level as you play the level, but it's already made. What's you're the just aesthetic that we're talking about. It's sort of like, um, it's very 2d, it's very cartoonish. Uh, it is, uh, it's kind of, you walk in this sort of paper, paper crafty person thing where you like each limb kind of moves independently of the rest of the body. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm pulling a. a, a I, so it's like a it puppet, like, really a, cool. like a like a paper puppet or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like a, yeah, like a marionette. Yes, um, 
And that's part of the problem is it doesn't feel good. It's all physics. Everything is physics, but it's, it's meant to be one of those games where the physics make you laugh hilariously because of how goofy everything happens and you fall down ramps and you're bumping into things and it's all meant to create ridiculousness. But ultimately that's a little bit frustrating. Now I will say it's also a multiplayer game and I think meant to be enjoyed co-op like that. And I, haven't had that experience. So maybe that is more fun when you're bumping into your friends and you're both trying to do something and you're laughing. Um, but also like you, you can literally create any item you can imagine in the game. It, it is got these tools in it where the community can just build out the world however they want. So it, it's kind of overwhelming. It's like, Oh, you create this catalog of items and then you can build them in the world and you can explore infinite of these planets and keep getting new blueprints for things that you can build. And as you're going through the world, you can just construct a whole new part of the level. And I was just like, I can't, I can't, I can't. can't. (laughs) Is it sort of like a Mario maker type game where you're, there's a lot of kind of player, uh, I guess, creation in the sense of like, I'm going to make sort of game mechanics and like game levels. And if I don't enjoy necessarily like making my own path, it won't be as fun. I think there's some of that, but also the game in order to sort of traverse through the levels, you're editing them in real time. It's more oh, like okay, little sure. big planet in the sense of like, okay. oh, I can't get to that ledge. I'll just manifest a ramp to get me there because I have that blueprint in my, gotcha. you know. Um, and I, I hope I'm not misrepresenting the game by saying this, but I, you know, I, I, I think that all that's I'm impressed by it. Like I'm looking at it and going, wow, that is cool, but. It just seems like one of those things where you have to jump in with both feet and go, I want to invest a lot of time in this and get all these blueprints and build stuff and make things. And I'm just, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking before. It's just not my jam. Anyway, but a cool game that may be of interest to listeners, Planetoid Pioneers, and it's on Steam. I bet that's one of those games. I feel like there are a few games out there where it's like, you know what? I don't think I would enjoy playing this, but I love watching other people play it and play it so much smarter than I ever would. Is it sort of like one of those games? Oh, totally. The Steam page for this game has like, here's some crazy stuff that people have made. And I'm like, wow. That, I mean, it's like these giant <laughs> worm creatures that you can just manifest out of nothing or, you know, a, 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 a full mech that moves and you can get inside it and all that stuff. It's like, well, yeah, I'm just never going to be there. <laughs> but cool game. Seriously cool game. Uh, all right. Let us thank our second sponsor, Brooklinen. Brooklinen, uh, this is my sheets, man. Your sheets too, Christian, right? You got Brooklinen sheets. They are my totally nerdy sheets. Totally nerdy. We nerd up in these. I I nerd my wife in these sheets. She's going to love I said that. Um, <laughs> uh, when I say, I mean, we talk about very nerdy. Th- what are you guys thinking? Um, no, these are my sheets. I love these sheets. I love them. They're soft. They're high quality, amazing sheets. So much of my life, I never cared about what kind of sheets. I just like bought whatever the cheapest thing was. And then you sort of get to a point in your life where like, oh, I like nice things and I like feeling nice. And maybe nice things are worth pursuing and maybe it's there are nicer ways to live. And guess what? Brooklinen is one of those nicer ways to live. But it's not one of those nicer ways to live that's outside your uh, means to get because they make it super easy instead of you having to like figure out uh, where to, I wouldn't even know where to go to buy good sheets. Like a Macy's. I don't know, but 
Brooklinen does it all online and they make it so easy. And these are beautiful home essentials. We got, we got, uh, we got the, uh, the sheets. We got the, the, the comforter. We got the, the, the duvet cover, all of it really stylish. I got, we got the, uh, gray and white stripes on our bed, which are super stylish and they feel great. That's the part that I love. My wife just the other day, she travels a lot for work and she got home the other night and she goes, oh, I love our bed. I love our bed. And that's like, that's the sheets, man. That's like feeling good, feeling comfort, feeling that luxury. And guess what? We are going to give you $20 off and free shipping when you go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code DLC. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. The promo code is DLC. And these come with a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee. That's how confident Brooklinen is that you're going to love these sheets. Uh, lifetime warranty on all their sheets and comforters and a 60-night satisfaction guarantee. So the only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. So check it out. These are the best sheets ever. I have to spend a little time on VR this week because honestly, I've been playing a lot of it and it's so good. I know last week I went on and on and on about Subnautica and I'm still putting tons of hours in that game. Christian, I, we will have to have an extraordinary rest of this year for Subnautica not to make it in my top five list at the end of the year. Uh, it is, it is truly something special. I have gotten to some really cool things that I won't spoil for anybody, but the way this game unveils its story and its surprises are, is so cool and so subtle and makes me feel like I'm completely in command of it. Uh, it is a game of pure exploration. And I think it has actually made me realize one of the things I love most about VR is how much it engenders this feeling of exploration in a video game. Um, Being inside that headset, feeling like you're inside that world and just letting me explore and find new things and find new biomes and new creatures and new plant life and stuff. It, it is such a magical experience. And then what is waiting for you on the other side of that exploration of, of things that are planted in the universe by the designers, man, what a special game, beautiful, transportive, full of wonder and excitement. Like the first time I created my first vehicle in Subnautica was just this like amazing experience of uh, new possibility you know it was so great it doesn't so i highly recommend it it doesn't surprise me because I, I think one of the first games you showed me i don't know if it was on vive or oculus but there was some little submarine game where you're just kind of like bursting like your way through tunnels and i was like yes yeah, like, no no no, no yes. wait have you gotten to the steam yet like in like io moon it's called io moon yeah and you loved that game and hearing you it talk did. about subnautica it seems like it's all the stuff that that game did well times a million well, that was very much, you know, a launch week experience on Oculus, and it very much was that like proof of concept. And this is the game version, fully fleshed out, fully formed. And and again, you can play Subnautica not in VR, but uh, I I really feel like that is the only way I want to play it. Oh, the other thing I didn't mention last week is it doesn't support touch controls, and remarkably, I don't miss it. Huh? I'm playing seated with a controller in my hands. 
and I'm having a great time. Like I, I love the fact that I'm just like playing this like any other video game. I'm just sitting there relaxing, laying back in my chair, you know, looking around with, through my headset, but playing it with a controller. It's great. How many hours do you think you play like in a sitting under the hood? Is it, you just locked in a couple hours, you just disappear yeah. into the game? hundred percent. Wow. Yep. I do it. I, my wife goes to bed, uh, in, in our Brooklyn and sheets and I, uh, I stay up and, and just nerd myself. Uh, <laughs> oh man, we've created a monster. Uh, <laughs> that does seem like one of the few VR games you can sit and play for a long, long time though. I mean, I don't have VR. I've played a bunch, but a lot of them it's like, okay, cool. This is fun for like 15 minutes. And then I'd like to take this off and sit down and not feel nauseous anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it seems like a good game. That's like, let's just sit here and relax and kind of take it easy in VR, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I I bristle a little bit at the nausea thing because I think that's kind of mostly been solved. But I I take your sure. point. I don't know. Uh, I, I I had a friend get real sick just last week. Uh, I think it depends on the person. I have also read this is maybe one of those things that's like totally not true, and I'm perpetuating like a terrible stereotype. But I've read that women also get more nauseous than men with VR. Oh, um, really? I'm not sure how true that is. I think it might be based on. I don't know. I'm not going to say what it's based on because I might be pulling this out of my ass. But I, I think that is a thing that I read somewhere. Like most of the designers are men and they didn't realize how to make it not. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think it might be like, okay, how far are the eyes spaced apart kind of thing? Huh. Whatever. Crazy. I had not heard that. Um, be that as it may, certainly is still an, an issue that, that, you know, people have to deal with. I find um, not having that problem and, and surprisingly not having that problem sitting playing with a controller because um, usually that would make it worse, right? Not standing and, you know, feeling the totally. physical sensations, but, but I have not had that problem with Subnautica more than the nausea thing though, along the lines of what you're saying is the fatigue of like having a full body experience, you know, right, of, totally. of, you know, swinging my arms around and touching, reaching out and touching stuff and standing, you know, that all of that is like, okay, I can do that for an hour or so, but after, after a while I need to just chill. But yeah, the, with this game, I'm, I'm able to play much longer sessions. Yeah. Uh, Christian, did you want to talk about your friend puking? Well, no, what, what made my friend puke <laughs> was not what I want to talk about, but what I've been doing mostly in VR is just having people do the uh, star Wars battlefront one rogue one VR mission. It's so good. It's only 15 minutes long, and it really bums me out that there wasn't like Rogue Squadron VR. They didn't do. I remember you and I both were like, "Yeah, Battlefront Two. It's gonna. It's gonna. You could be able to do all of the ship combat in VR, and and you can't. You can't do any of it in VR. Yeah, um, it's very disappointing. It's so. One of my friends that played it recently. I think it was like Friday or something like that. He like has like uh, the headphones in and, you know, say what you will about earbuds, but I think Sony's, the PSVR does a pretty good job of that, recreating that 3D sound or whatever. And it starts off kind of quiet and he's like, oh, this is, oh my, I grew up on Star, this is incredible. Oh my, this is so, oh man, this is so rad. And he's, <laughs> he's, he's just like yelling as it goes and it's like, that thing's huge. That thing's so huge. And I'm like, yeah, it's really, and he's like, Anyway, it's just a joy. Like that's my my favorite part about it. Like I wish that I could. I've played it numerous times myself, but I wish I could play it again for the first time. So the closest yeah. I can get to that is anytime someone hasn't played it, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Come over. <laughs> this is what we're doing. It's fun being the Sherpa, man. Being the Sherpa, the VR Sherpa is so fun. Um, 
Yeah. What kind of uh, VR setups do you have? I'm sorry this is, if this is like stuff you've talked about a bunch already. No, but not at all. Um, uh, like, what do you have at home? I assume that's where y'all are playing, right? Uh, Christian's actually talking about playing in an office, right? Okay. Yeah, you, we, go, we do have it at home. You have all of them, and you can explain your setup, then I can explain mine. I have all of them. I'm, I'm, I am very deep in the VR hole at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I love it. And I have, yeah, I have the Oculus and the Vive and the PlayStation VR. Um, wow, I, you must have so much space. Well... Uh, I do have an office here in my house and that room is been kept remarkably bare uh, so that I can swing my arms around. Right. <laughs> <inside>. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm fortunate in that way, but Christian, you're, you're dealing with a much more confined space. Yeah. I'm in a small space. I have an Oculus with, um, move controllers and just two sensors. So not full room scale. And, and sometimes it's like, it wants me to be like half a foot further back. It seems like than where I can get in my space. Um, it's kind of game by game. And then I have a PSVR, which works fine in my little space. And then in this office, we have a PSVR with a good amount of space, a little low ceiling. So I'm, <laughs> we haven't had mm. anyone break a hand yet, but um, <laughs> it, it might it might happen. Which honestly, <laughs> I don't say this lightly. I think that's a testament to VR that you get so into, like, you know, you know, it's a low ceiling, you know, but then you, you go under the hood and you lose yourself in this game <laughs> and you punch a ceiling <laughs> yeah totally uh, so i want to talk about one more game because i didn't talk about it last week and this is definitely a punch a wall game punch the ceiling punch a wall uh sirento vr i don't know if you guys have heard about this it's a release i think i think it's on everything it's not maybe not i'm playing it on oculus um it might be an oculus exclusive i'm not sure it, this is so christian the reason i want to talk to you about this specifically is you bought me sprint vector so we can play it on tuesday I mean, I'm probably gonna, but that's not what we're talking about. Um, remember when Titanfall 2 came out and both of us were raving about Titanfall 2 and I was like, God, all I want is for Titanfall 2 to be in VR. And we were like, oh, but that could never work because it's so kinetic and you're bouncing off the walls and you're jumping around and it's so crazy. I could never do that in VR. But man, that's the dream of like that game, but in VR. Well, I'm here to tell you Sirento VR, it's not that, but it's very close. <laughs> it's like it's it's the step toward getting there. Okay. And the the idea being that proving you can do all of the movement stuff in VR. Now we have we are at the place where that level of kinetic movement is doable and awesome. The piece it doesn't have is the presentation, the uh, level of graphic fidelity, the voiceover work, the AAA-ness of Titanfall that is a big part of what makes Titanfall amazing. Sirento very much lacking in that regard. Uh, I think the story is not that great. The visuals are not that great. But it kind of doesn't matter because the f- playing of it is so fun. You play as a cybernetic ninja – and she has the ability to do all the things that you would want to do as a cybernetic ninja. Swords, guns, jump, bounce off, jump wall run, jump off walls, uh, leap to tiny uh, places, uh, perches, you know, platforming. All that stuff that you think, oh, that doesn't really work in VR at a fast pace is awesome in this game. And that's because... They have figured out a way to make all of – she has got a double jump. Um, 
and all of that stuff it, it it it's integrated into the way the controls work. It's all touch controls, and uh, they have this cool thing where you can leap into the air. And it's, if you initiate another leap, it like goes into slow mo, and so you can like you're not teleporting like you do in a lot of games where you're saying where you're going to land. You're creating your next jump angle, your arc, your parabola in the air. So you're going. I'm going to jump this direction, and then you leap into that direction, and now you're. You're going in midair and it kind of slows down as you do a second jump and you're like, okay, I'm going to go that way. And you leap and you're able to shoot these other ninjas as you're flying or slice them with your thing. And if you land and crouch, like literally with your legs as a human being, if you like bend your legs as you land, you do a slide when you land. So you can like leap, double jump, wall run, jump, land, crouch, slide, slice a dude in half, all of that stuff. It works extremely well, and my gosh, is this game fun? Hmm. What are you? I'm sorry. Uh, what are you playing on again? Oculus, and it, with the touch controllers. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting, and because super fun. The um, so it's not full room scale. What happens if you get turned around? Are you always facing forward? No, you you have the ability to rotate. Uh, 90 degrees but the touch of a button um but it, it supports room scale i mean i have the third sensor so mm. i it supports the room scale but um yeah i the way i play those games now that have 90 degree turns is that i tend to just plant my feet huh. and not move my feet but just use the 90 degree turn and stay because invariably i'll get tied up in the cord or i'll end up smacking some uh, you know i'll move into the corner of my room and not know it and smack something or do th- hit my chair or whatever so i just keep my feet planted and i'm swinging my arms around wildly uh and crouching and and doing all that rotate but in the game i only turn you know or only spin by pushing a button Uh, and musam in twitch chat says it's announced for psvr which i think you saying that you can just plant your feet and move makes me think that this will work well on psvr versus when they try to force a few other room scale games onto it that's awesome it's great. It's amazing. And I think it's an indication of where we're going to be able to go very soon with VR in creating the kinds of crazy over the top games that people expect when they play shooters and not sort of slow, methodical games like Farpoint might, might be considered. But this you know? is not the play for 10 hours. <laughs> this sounds like. No, this is get hour. sweaty. <laughs> yeah. You're going you're yeah. to get sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's, um, let's do a few. We haven't done this in a while. Let's do a few quick questions. So quick questions is our semi-regular segment where we answer some questions from you guys. And you can always submit questions to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. There's also a sticky thread on our subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And uh, we love getting these questions. Um, We've had packed shows, so we haven't done it in a while, but... I'm so excited to uh, read some of these questions. Uh, This one comes from Heath79. Heath says, quick question. Do you have any video games associated with certain foods? And then Heath gives some background. In eighth grade, I borrowed Link from the Past from a friend and would play it every day when I got home from school and would eat a huge bowl of honey bunches of oats. Now, almost 25 years later, my brain forever links the two together. Um, So, Abby, do you have any foods that are associated with games? Um, I do think I have one actually, which is Bioshock Infinite. I think I ate a lot of Domino's pizza while playing that game. 
Um, honestly, I've eaten a lot of Domino's pizza while playing a lot of games, so I'm not <laughs> sure why it stuck so much with Bioshock, um, but definitely Bioshock and Domino's. Love it. Uh, Christian, how about you? Do you have any uh, game food associations? Man, I broke this one, and I'm glad I did. I, I was, as a high schooler, really addicted to Cheetos, any form of cheese puff, just che- cheesy poofy balls for, for wow. South Park. You were a... You are a very much a cliche nerd. Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> I was. Um, and I, I was too much of a, I was too cleanly. Uh, controllers were always white back then. Like the PlayStation One controller was like a light gray. Dreamcast was that light gray. Super Nintendo, and I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. But I, that was my snack of choice as like a middle schooler, high schooler. It was like munching on those if I was watching a movie or whatever. And, uh, that took a while, but that was, that's my one. And I have, I have broken myself of it, but I, I still think of them fondly. Man, I've been racking my brain to try to come up with a food association. I, I don't have any big ones, but I do have one that I probably shouldn't say because it's super embarrassing and will date me. Uh, but my favorite video game of all time, as you know, Christian is Ultima seven. Uh, Abby may not have even been alive when that game came out, but, uh, I played that on my computer one summer and, (laughs) and played, wow, this is going to reveal me to be very old, uh, played it on my computer in my bedroom all summer long, uh, while listening to a cassette tape in my ears on my Walkman of please hammer, don't hurt him. And uh, the album, all front to back, uh, just on a loop. I just kept because you know, old old Walkmans, you could just keep playing, and it would automatically reverse and play. And so, anytime I hear, which is not very often, but anytime I hear uh, MC Hammer's "Please Hammer Don't Hurt 'Em" album, uh, I immediately associate it with Ultima Seven. Uh, so now I, I wonder if you actually liked Ultima Seven. I feel like you I loved like, it. I feel like you just like please hammer don't hurt them. You know, like like, <laughs> that's like I don't think I liked baseball playing it as a youth. I just like the smell of fresh cut grass, and I've uh, put the two together. Yeah, it's funny. My favorite game of all time, Ultimate Seven. Not my favorite album of all time. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, I do have a similar thing though. I have a bunch of podcasts that I used to listen to while I played certain games. I don't really do it as much anymore now that playing games is sort of more of my job. Uh, but I will say there are definitely certain podcasts that I associate with specific games. Yeah. Like that you hear Mark Marin's voice or something and you're like, yes, yeah. totally. That's <laughs> up, or like serial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. WT nerders, nerderinos. <laughs> uh, all right. Quick question. This one comes from 63. Uh, as a fellow gamer uh, with limited time, which do you prefer? Shorter, frequent bursts of gaming or less frequent, long sessions? A daily hour session versus weekly five-hour session. Abby? Oh, gosh. Um, I think this honestly depends on the type of game. Like, I really love a contained short story, sort of like Florence or, um, oh, gosh, what was that game? Uh, what Remains of Edith Finch? Yeah, you like, those are sitting. Yes, exactly. Like, I love a good, like, I'm just going to play this over an evening, sit here and finish it. But I do love a good marathon of Everybody's Golf, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it. I think it really just depends on the type of game for me. Christian, how about you? Mar- marathon uh, weekly session or daily short burst? I, I, I want to say marathon sessions, but my play history over the past five years proves otherwise. It's why, part of the reason I don't get back to games. I'm like, oh, I love this game so much. I only want to play when I have a good chunk of time. And I just don't 
do that um, as often as I should because life pulls me a million other directions. And so instead, what I end up doing is I say, I'm only going to play for an hour and then I realize it's been three, but I can't, sit, <laughs> I can't sit down for three. If that makes sense, I can't. Yeah, I can't sit down and say, okay, I'm Grand Theft or um, Metal Gear Solid Five. Going to finish it. Right. Five hours. Me and me and Snake. Here we go. And I, I just don't do it. And then, or I'll be like, oh, I got time for one round of PUBG. Perfect. And then, you know, ten rounds, rounds later, and yeah, one drowning death, <laughs> and it's been four hours. That's an interesting way of framing it. Like, what do you intend to do? I. My interpretation of the question was like, what do you enjoy more? And one of the things about having a kid that makes me sad is that I used to love the marathon, man. I used to love the like, wake up at nine, don't even get out of my jammies, just start playing World of Warcraft. And then it's 9 p.m. I'm like, what? what happened? Oh, I'm still in my jammies. Did I eat today? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I still played. I leveled up four times. Uh, <laughs> and there's something just beautifully – I don't know. It's A lot of people would disparage that kind of a day. But for me, that is a nice day. That is a nice day that I will never have again <laughs> probably until I'm, <laughs> my kids are out of the house. Which is, wow. Good to know. I'll savor it then. Yeah. Do not have kids. No. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. All right. Cross that one off the list. <laughs> you're you're closer than you think, Jeff. It just might not be the game that you think you initially want to play. Like I like Splatoon 2. Um, mm-hmm. I liked Splatoon 1, but neither game did I play as long as I've played Splatoon 2 now, mostly because my daughters adore it. And so it, you know, we'll have a marathon session of that where we're passing the switch back and forth and we can sit down and play Splatoon 2 for hours and and they love it. So you won't be playing. You won't be playing Subnautica by yourself. <laughs> well, As Jack's we, like, I want to play, and you're like, No, get out of here. Um, we've discussed this. I, I'm I'm convinced that because when I was a kid, and my all my dad wanted me to do was like work on cars with him, and I couldn't care less about that. Uh, that my karmic reward will be that I'll have kids that don't like video games, but they'll be able to fix your car. So. <laughs> Thank God. Somebody needs to. Have you seen that thing? Unfortunately. Oh, boy. Uh, all right. Quick question. This one comes from Greedy Install. Uh, you've come back to a game after a long break, greater than six months. Do you start the game's campaign over or try to continue where you left off? Abby, what do you do? Um, I usually try to continue where I left off and then I realize I've forgotten everything and then just <laughs> sell the game back, most likely. Um. I if I stop playing a game for that long where I've forgotten everything, I probably will never finish it. To be fully honest, yeah, Christian, what is your what is your situation on this? Start the campaign over or try to pick it up? It, it depends on the game. Um, for The Witcher, it was buy the DLC and start from there. Um, <laughs> it's like I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, and oh yeah, because they let you like just you want to just start this game. We'll just level you all the way up, and you can just start this game like it's new. Yeah, yeah. So that that worked for that game. Um, for something like Shadow of the Colossus, that I can jump back into. It's not overly complex in terms of the controls, and each fight is its own puzzle. Um, and and so that type of game I can jump back into. Zelda, um, I've jumped back into after taking months off. But like that big complex, like Metal Gear. Um, if I walk away from like that Horizon, I've been away from that. I haven't started the Frozen Wilds DLC yet after finishing the game and loving it. And it's, that's kind of been the, I want five hours. And then every time I do sit down, I'm like, I don't, how do I pull up my wheel? I'll, I'll get to it later. Dude, that is exactly the example I was going to bring up is uh, playing the frozen wilds. Uh, Cause 
I was a wizard. I was like Aloy's, you know, champion. But by the time I finished that game, I was like, yeah, I love, I take down the biggest beasts in this game. I'm, I'm awesome. I mean, you have and to then, be at the end of that game. Yeah, like that's right. That's what it does. And that's February of last year. And then the DLC comes out in November or whatever it was. And I pop it in. I'm like, yeah, I remember being awesome at Aloy. And like the way that game gates you right at the beginning, they're like, oh, here's a new enemy. That's harder than any of the enemies from before the, the uh, oh, no. DLC. Just one of them. Here you go. Before you can, like, as you're walking into the frozen wilds, like, here's the new enemy. And I was like, got my butt whooped. And I was like, oh, I, how do I dodge again? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I'm i like you, Abby, where it's like, if it's, I rarely ever start the campaign over. Uh, I try to pick it up and then I get frustrated. And then, <laughs> and then I go, I got something else I want to play. Totally. <laughs> All right. Last one. Uh, quick question. This one comes from SFC Rabdo. Will games as education ever be big? What game character would you most want to learn from? Abby? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I can answer the will they ever be big. I feel like that's such a big question, but probably not. Uh, That said, my favorite um, educational character or educational games were probably the Nancy Drew games, Mm -hmm. uh, which are like adventure games. But there's definitely like an educational aspect to them of like, oh, like we're... I don't know, solving a mystery in Paris, but like, let's learn about all this Parisian art or whatever it is. Uh, so definitely Nancy Drew. I I'm looking forward to the newest game they're going to put out soon. Oh, is there another one? Yes. I think 2019 is they're like redoing their whole system. Uh, a lot of it was pretty outdated by the last games. Like they had been updating them, but they felt a little bit dated. Uh, so they're redoing everything as far as I understand. So I'm very curious, uh, what the next one's going to be and what it's going to be like to play. Awesome. Christian, how about you? You think uh, education in games will ever be big? I think it already is. Um, I, we, uh, People of a certain age all have fond memories of Oregon Trail and whatever edutainment games, Carmen Sandiego, stuff like that. I think Minecraft is an example of a game now that might not seem like it's hitting you over the head with its education, but I know they have the education build that a lot of schools have set up now on computers. Oh, wow, really? And you're, you're learning some types of programming or building or just process and sequence. And um, so I, I think it is. I just don't think it's talked about in the same way um, that uh, hobby games are talked about. But I, I think you're seeing the gamification of a lot of things, including education. And I, and I think uh, it will continue to grow, but will never be you know, uh, talked about on gaming enthusiast podcasts or websites where it's, did you, Oh my God, did you guys? Well, yeah, I guess it's a, it's how you parse that, right? It's a, maybe a semantic argument, but interactivity, I think will be big in education, education. And as you say, it kind of already is. Um, but I think even more so as these games get more robust and we see stuff like that module that's coming for Assassin's Creed origins, where, you don't kill anything. You walk through Assassin's Creed Origins worlds and you get lectures on ancient Egypt from professors that know what they're talking about. And the game world is so robust and interesting that it actually can be a platform for learning. I think that's a cool innovation that we'll hopefully see more of. Yeah. And I think as, as interactivity itself is more commonplace and, you know, we get more technology in classrooms, all of that stuff. I think VR has a very big potential to be a learning tool. Uh, we're already seeing that with, you know, 
physicians and surgeons using VR as a way to train and all of that stuff I think is going to be huge. So if you expand the scope a little bit to interactivity in general, I think it will be uh, massive. Well, and NFL players have gone on record to say that they'll play Madden to learn other teams plays and it's not Madden doesn't have access to their playbook, but they have access to past players and what they did last year. So you can go through and you can learn from that. And the character that I'd want to learn from are any of the characters from Wildlands? I just <laughs> or like the, bu- the bullet storm general just walking yeah, what in. They and- teach you do not need to learn, Christian. <laughs> Could you imagine the bullet storm guy like just kicking the door open and just oh, what a tone deaf character! But very fun game. <laughs> I want to want to learn learn from Link, and he just never talks. <laughs> but he's like really wants you to learn. <laughs> She's like showing you how to cook or something. Yeah, Every time yeah. you get bored. Hey, listen. You're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> it's like I try to just throw three things in a pot and have it bounce around and then it makes cool <laughs> stuff, but it never works. <laughs> uh, again, thank you guys for sending their quick questions in. Uh, I'll try to get this segment in the show more often because it's always fun. So if you have more questions, please don't hesitate. Send them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or post them on the subreddit. All right. That's going to be it for this episode. We do have our parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But uh, Abby Russell, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Awesome. Tell the folks where they can keep up with you and the things that you do online. Awesome. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can just look up my name, Abby Russell, because my Twitter handle is uh, the worst. It's Y-B-B-A-A-A-B-B-Y. That's my Twitter handle. Um, you can also find me at giantbomb.com. That's where I work. Uh, and on the Beastcast every Thursday. Awesome. Is there a story behind that Twitter handle that I'm, I'm not aware of? <sighs> not really. I was. I wanted to do my uh basically my just name uh but it was obviously taken so i was like i'll do my name backwards and then forwards but i'll add an extra a in the middle to make it more complicated (laughs) and harder to sell basically well kudos thank you (laughs) mission accomplished uh christian how about you what do you got going on this week we uh, have a new episode of Tournament of Parenting coming out on Wednesday. We did another Facebook Live run of it. So if you head over to facebook.com slash Department of Parenting, you can see the video of, of Chris and I chit-chatting parenting stuff. We had a question about transitioning your kid to an open top cup, which I'm sure is fascinating to so many listeners of this show. <laughs> <laughs> open top cup? Uh-huh. Oh, what do man. you do? How do you do it? When do you do it? Um that will drop on uh, Wednesday on the RSS. And then uh, this week's at least 20 more minutes is going to be about when kind of we, it's funny. We hit on it here and I'd already recorded the episode, but it is about um, when, when are you done with the game? When have you finished a game? Is it credits roll and you're done, even though that's when the game has started, dude, or, you know, 20 hours of monster hunter. Is that enough? Or do you need a hundred? And then kind of talking through when, it, when you're done with the game, especially in today's climate of, Games never ending, like Sea of Thieves. There's there's not an end, right? When when are you done with that? And that will come out uh, on the Patreon feed on Tuesday, and then on the Uninformed Opinions podcast feed on Friday. Jeff, what about you? Well, I do want to mention the fact that uh, my daily video game show, Newest, Latest, Best, has ended, at least for the moment. I really appreciate all the people that listened to that show and that sent their awesome well wishes about that show. I want to clarify, uh, I... I I didn't want to end it. 
<laughs> it didn't, it wasn't because it was too hard. And some people misinterpreted uh, my farewell message as being like, Oh, it was just way, way too hard. No, I, I, I would have liked to have continued it. Uh, and maybe the, the show will have life uh, somewhere else on another platform. I certainly hope so. Maybe but a I newer, wanted... later, better platform. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Uh, but thank you to everybody that listened to that show. And uh, I, I really appreciate it. Um, but I do have other shows for you to listen to, including uh, the slash film cast, which is a movie and TV review show that I do over at slash film.com. Uh, this week, I think we're talking about a certain panther that you may be aware of. Um, and uh, you can find that at slashfilmcast.com. I also do We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science podcast. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, guys. Let's uh, end the show with our parting gift. Well done, Gaucho Cam. Pink Panther? <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I didn't even anticipate that one. Moosum hit uh, it first. Moosum hit it first. Oh, Moosum hit it first. Sorry. Sorry. Moosum. Good job. Gaucho Cam, plagiarism, man. Not cool. <laughs> Not cool. Uh, Abby, do you have some uh, suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. Uh, check out End of the Effing World on Netflix. It's great. It's kind of sad, but it's great. Uh, and then also, I think if you're going to see Black Panther, maybe check out the comic uh, it was based on Ta-Nehisi Coates, wrote a great series. Uh, it's Black Panther, A Nation Under Our Feet, which I definitely recommend. Awesome. Very cool. Under the, uh, excuse me, End of the Effing World is on Netflix, right? Yes, correct. Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift? I mean, it just goes with the theme of the week. Uh, the Black Panther soundtrack, you guys, it's so very good. Um, yes, it is. It is also, it's not clean. I think there might be a clean version of it, but I don't think because this is a Disney Marvel movie that Kendrick and they get to rap how Kendrick and his crew wanted to rap. They, they rap how they want to rap. They rap what they want to rap about, but it is, it is phenomenal. It is a, a really, really great um, album that does not in any way spoil black Panther. If you haven't seen the movie and you love Kendrick and you're looking for some new tracks from him and his crew, check it out. It's really, really well done. Cool. We got a listener suggested parting gift. This comes from Ian McDonald. Uh, he says, I would like to recommend a parting gift, Game School Online, which is a gameschoolonline.com. Game School Online is an online learning platform where you can get started learning game art and production skills. They have courses for game art, lighting, engines. The best part is that the courses are all free. The only paid options are for if you'd like to receive a weekly critique on your homework assignments, or if you'd like to meet one-on-one -on -one with a personal mentor. I highly recommend Game School Online to anyone who wants to know more about the skills needed to make it in the game industry. The courses are no risk and are meant for people who want to get a taste of game development without having to take out student loans or go into debt to attend a university. There's no penalty if you don't finish a course, and if you need more time, you can just follow along again when the next semester starts. Uh, very cool. I know a lot of people are curious about what it would take to get into game design and it sounds like there is a very accessible way to do it. So thanks for that recommendation. If you want to send your parting gift into the show, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Mine is a movie I just saw. It's been out for a while. I saw it streaming on Amazon. It's called Brigsby Bear. Uh, have you guys seen this? I have not, but I've heard it's very good. 
liked it. I did. Uh, it is a, a, a movie with a lot of heart. It, it comes from uh, Kyle Mooney, who you might know from the current cast of Saturday Night Live. He's one of the writers and the star. And I don't even want to spoil too much about it, but it's about making movies and sort of a love of nerdy stuff. And uh, he's kind of has fresh eyes on, on the world in that way. And it, it really has a lot of heart. It's a very sweet movie with a lot of people that you will recognize in it. Um, Brigsby bear. I I recommend it. I haven't seen the film, but uh, Kyle's a legit genius. So yeah, Kyle's great. He, He is. You're right, man. He, and he, in his performance in this is, absolutely amazing like he i don't even want to explain why because it spoils the movie but he's so genuine and and you just see everything happening to him in such a beautifully naive and and innocent way it's such a really amazing performance okay anyway brigsby bear is the name of that movie that does it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Abby Russell and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Thanks to all the folks who hung out in real time on our streaming platforms on Twitch and on Caffeine. Really appreciate you guys hanging out with us, making the show better in real time. And thanks to all of you who download the show. It means a lot to us. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.